0: at the Reformation. Ours was of no great size, perhaps a hundred pupils, some day boys and some boarders, aged between nine and nineteen. Within the school was another school. Technically, I believe a separate foundation. This was the choir school, whose purpose was to educate the boys who sang in the cathedral choir. The choir school was very small, twelve or fifteen boys. It was ruled by the Master of Music, Dr. Atkinson, who was also the Cathedral Organist. For much of the time the choir schoolboys mingled with the rest of us. They attended the same lessons and played the same games. But they were a race apart nonetheless. They were liable to vanish unexpectedly to attend practice or perform their duties at one service or another. Their choir duties took precedence over everything else, even examinations. They had privileges and responsibilities that set them apart. They rarely talked of these except among themselves, and then in terms that were largely incomprehensible to outsiders, which added to the air of mystery that attached to them. Faraday was a choir boy. He was thirteen years old. Before all this happened I knew very little more about him, though we had attended the same school for years. I knew that he was supposed to be good at rugger, I knew he was the head of the choir school, which meant that at services he wore a medallion engraved with the cathedral's badge over his surplice, hanging from a ribbon around his neck. But I was more than a year older, he was in the form below mine, and he lived in a different house. Our lives did not overlap. The other thing that everyone knew about Faraday was that he had an exceptionally beautiful voice— Ours was the sort of school where you had to be good at sport or work or music if you were to have a tolerable life. Faraday was good at everything, but especially good at singing. I suppose I should also mention that I did not much like Faraday. My parents were in India. They went there the week before my seventh birthday, leaving me in England. The climate was healthier for children, they said and besides, the schools were so much better. It was what many parents did in their situation, it was considered quite normal and in the best interests of the child. Perhaps it was, but I wish they had taken me with them. I still wish it. During school holidays I stayed with my aunt, the widowed sister of my father. My aunt was a kind woman, but she didn't know what to do with me and I didn't know what to do with her. She and my parents decided to send me to the King's School because it was only thirty miles from her house, and it had the reputation of being a sound Christian establishment. The school was a Spartan place whose routine revolved around the cathedral, even for those who were not in the choir. There was a good deal of bullying, education of a sort was hammered into us. I made the best of it. What else was there to do? I received regular letters from Quetta or Srinagar, or New Delhi, written in my mother's careful, upright hand. Every year or so my parents would come home on leave. I looked forward to these visits with anxiety and delight, as I dare say they did. Seeing my parents was always painful because they were not as they had been, and nor was I. We had become strangers to one another. We tried to make the most of it, but then they would be off again, and whatever fragile intimacy we'd achieved would trickle away, leaving behind more misleading memories. Still, I longed to see them. Hope always triumphed over experience. The last time they came home I was twelve. My father tried without success to teach me to fish. He wanted me to share his passion. My mother took me shopping with her and showed me off to her friends, who remained unimpressed. We went up to London for matinees at the theatre. On one of these outings we had tea at the Charing Cross Hotel. I don't remember much about it except for one thing my mother said. You used to be such a chatterbox when you were little. She smiled at me. Where did all the words go? My parents were coming home again. They would be here by mid-December in plenty of time for Christmas. My mother wrote that my father was planning to buy a motor car. If he did, they would drive over at the end of term and collect me. The thought of my parents turning up at school in a motor car added a new element to my anticipation. At that time, cars were uncommon, especially in the Fens. I imagined my parents driving up in an enormous gleaming equipage worthy of Mr. Toad in the Wind in the Willows, and sweeping me away before the whole school. Like a fool, I boasted to my friends of this triumph to come.